Good morning, everybody. Once again, my name is Chris Kimston. I am the Young Adult Admissions Minister here at Hope Des Moines. Very excited to be with you all, regardless of if this is your first time or this is your a millionth time, whether you're here down uh, with us on the ground or up there in the balcony. Hello, friends. Yeah, there you go. I can see you, so it's great. Um, very excited to be with you, and uh, I can speak for myself as a minister here at Hope Des Moines, but I can also speak, I believe, for Pastor John and the rest of the staff and the volunteers to say one of the things that we endeavor for this place to be is a safe place to ask tough questions, a safe place to ask tough questions, because we can have it all together, we can have all the things, we can have all of our ducks in a row, uh, metaphorically speaking, and then life happens. And then we are forced to contemplate often some really difficult truths. And we don't want this place uh, to be somewhere you just come for like an hour or so, once or twice a week, and then this is where your Instagram self is. You have to put down all of those questions that you're wrestling at the door just to come in and, you know, sing the songs and do the things and smile and be happy and dress up and do all the stuff. Make sure you, you know, have it all together. And then once you leave back to the quote unquote real world, then you have to pick up those questions again and wrestle with the same things. Instead, this is the place that you can bring those things. And I think there's maybe no better way to model that ethic um, than to sometimes ask some of those questions from the front so that we can all confront those things together. And that's what we've been trying to do in the last couple of weeks in this little mini-series that we've had uh, during these warm summer weeks. Uh, we've had a series called Finding God in the Tough Stuff. And uh, they've been motivated by these difficult questions that we're often forced to ask. Uh, last week, um, John addressed uh, the question, and we explored together the question, does God still heal? Does God still heal? There's a lot of sickness in the world. Um, back in the Bible, there, uh, Jesus heals a lot of people. But there's more people on planet Earth than there was back then, so there's arguably more sickness even than there was back in the Bible. So the question is, does God still heal people or not? And I'm not going to spoil it. If you weren't there, here to hear it, uh, check it out online. Um, we, somebody asked me where, we find our po uh, where they can find our sermons. Uh, we podcast all of them. So if you look online or uh, look for wherever you get podcasts or anything, search Hope Des Moines Sermons and you will be able to find that. So I would encourage you to do that. To this morning, we have the opportunity to explore a question that all of us ask at some point or another throughout different parts of our lives, regardless of where we're at in our faith journey, uh, regardless of where we're at in life. We all ask this question. It's a question that uh, people ask um, regardless of where they're at, and this question is a reason why people don't come to church sometimes. This question is the reason why some people leave church and don't come back. This question is, where is God when I feel lost? Where is God when I feel lost? You know, just a light subject this morning. And this question is so big that we actually have to define some terms a little bit just to be able to, uh, to, to, to explore it or do it justice. So the first term of feeling lost, the first understanding of feeling lost is uh, maybe a little obvious, feeling physically lost, meaning you physically don't know where you are. When I was uh, probably about eight years old, my family, we took a trip to the Omaha Zoo. Now, this was a big deal for 
eight-year-old Chris. I loved animals like a lot of little kids do, and we were in the rainforest section of the Omaha Zoo. Now, I am sure that the Omaha Zoo's rainforest section is not as big as the regular rainforest, but you could not have told eight-year-old Chris this fact. We were walking, and it's indoors, but they, they pipe in humidity and all these other things to make it feel like the rainforest, so um, plants and animals that exist in the rainforest can still rainforest or whatever they do there. This is going great. Um, <laughs> so anyway, we were in there, and this, it was incredible. Now, keep in mind, this is 20 years ago. There were monkeys that were just out. They're like, would, the little lion monkey ran across a branch above us. There was a tame orangutan just like walking around. You just like kind of had to make room for it. It was totally tame. They'd steal your food if you didn't pay attention, but the rest of it is fine. Um, but again, 20 years ago, very different place. I'm not sure they'd allow that anymore, but I was doing the little kid walk, which is this. Which is you just like not paying attention where you're going because everywhere that I looked was wonder. Everywhere that I looked, I was encountering something new. Everything seemed like an opportunity to learn, to see something different, to experience life in a different way. And I might not have been able to verbalize this as an eight-year-old, but boy, was I excited. It was fantastic. And as I was doing this, you know, looking around, and I saw something. It was like an exotic bird I had never seen before. And I turned back to tell my mom my mom and my dad and my sister were nowhere to be found. You know that pit in the center of your, like, just in the core of you that all of a sudden you're like, oh, no. When you, like, you realize something's gone wrong. Maybe for you it's when you lose. Uh, like, if, if you have a kid, like, you, you can't find your kid. But for me, we all have these stories of getting lost as a little kid, I think, or many of us do. All of a sudden, I was, like, looking around. I was like, where is my mom, where is my dad? And I started to get flustered and something amazing happened. What was just moments before a world of new magic and wonder became scary and unfamiliar and tense and terrifying. All of a sudden, all these things I was excited about didn't seem exciting anymore. They seemed scary. And so I turned around, and there are all these different paths going to different places within the Amazon section of the Omaha Zoo. And I just picked one because, eight-year-old, that's what you do. And I just ran away. And my parents were here last night, and I'll say it again. I was like, to do justice, they were probably like 20 feet away from me. But I freaked out, and I ran down one of these things. I ran into the, the cave of the of the Amazon section, I bumped into glass because it was so clean, and I turn around, and the, the, it was the cage where the Amazonian fruit bats are. I don't know if you've ever seen these things. They're like this big, and it was hanging upside down, and it, was like the, and it looked like just Satan incarnate, and it, I'm still terrified of bats to this day, and that has nothing to do with what we're talking about this morning. <laughs> but I was so scared, and I ran out there, and I found my mom, and then all of a sudden, everything was better again, but the reason that I bring this up is not just because it's a quirky story and not just because getting physically lost is a major issue in the world, um, especially now, actually, in, we live in the new age of Google Maps where we can look at our watch and it will tell us where we are. The age of getting physically lost is gone, maybe, or slowly uh, dying out, as long as you have cell reception, but... I think the reason that I tell this story is that I think that the 
physical, getting physically lost can teach us a lot about what it means to be lost in other ways. I think we can learn from it because while, while we might not always be physically lost, most of us feel lost at some point or another in a lot of different ways. You can feel lost in your relationships. You can feel lost in your relationship with God. You can feel lost with meaning. You don't know where you are in life, in your relationships, in significance. So we're going to call that for, we're going to call it physically lost. We're going to call it spiritually lost. Because did you know that spiritually, spiritual doesn't just mean like some new agey understanding of like ultimate mystical reality of the universe. No, what you believe to be true about yourself, about others, and about God in the relationship with all those things, that's all spiritual. So we'll call that feeling spiritually lost. So while physically lost is saying the statement, I don't know where I am, feeling spiritually lost is saying, I don't know who I am. Instead of I don't know where I am, it's I don't know who I am. And this is something that we all ask. And the reason that so many people ask this question, we all find ourselves wondering this at some, other, at some point or another, is that it comes during any and all stages of life. It can come and start really early. Think about it. Moving to a new school as a little kid, and all of a sudden, I don't know who I am. Going to college or moving out of your parents' house for the first time, I don't know who I am. Maybe graduating into the work pool, having difficulty finding a job, having a kid bringing a new human into the world and realizing that you are responsible for that tiny human. I don't know who I am. Maybe later in life, I becoming an empty nester, all of a sudden your kids moved out and had their own life and their own job, and all of a sudden, I don't know who I am. Maybe it's like retiring from a job that has given you so much meaning for so long, all of a sudden, I don't know who I am. Facing your own mortality. Happens at all different stages of life. And we could protect ourselves against those things, right? If we could just plan for it. But it's not just stages of life. It's life events that happen to us regardless of how old we are or regardless of what stage of life we're in. Maybe it's the divorce of parents. Maybe it's the death of a loved one. Maybe it's the breaking of a relationship, the breaking of your heart. Maybe it's the loss of a dream that you realize won't be realized. These are all things that, and those things compound at the same time as the life stages and they're multipliers. They bounce off of each other and all of a sudden it leaves a lot of us saying the statement, I don't know who I am. Maybe if that's, maybe it's not a complete loss of identity for everybody, but if you boil it down, any feeling of lostness at the center of it has just a little piece of, I am not quite sure. I don't know who I am. And a lot like getting physically lost, these moments, these moments are where the world shifts around us. Sometimes we have a role in that. Sometimes we are the person who breaks relationship or does something harmful to ourselves or others. And sometimes we don't. Sometimes it rains so much that it like water just keeps coming in the basement. Sometimes it's another thing. It's another person's decision that's harmed you. Regardless, the world shifts around us all of a sudden, and instead of wonder and magic and newness, all of a sudden things start to look scary and unfamiliar, and we feel lost. 
And the funny thing is, everyone and everywhere will try to give you an answer to that. Did you know that for only 1995, you can have meaning too? It comes in a lot of different places. Like a lot, you can buy a lot of things that give you, or is it, that's attempting to give you a meaning to try to tell you who you are. But specifically this morning, we are asking the question, where is God when we feel lost? Where is God when we feel lost? And I have to acknowledge, and I think that uh, at Hope, statistically, a lot of people that come in have been hurt from church before. And I just wanted to say that I'm really sorry if that was you. There, a lot of times, if you haven't been around us for very long, I'm a product of hope. I grew up around hope, and I, I really believe in it. Uh, but I know that a lot of times, all church gets lumped into the televangelists selling holy water or doomsday kits or different things. And there have been people in the name of God throughout time who have taken advantage of people. So I apologize if that has ever been you. But if you can move past that, the, us together here, I think we can look at it a little bit differently, a little bit deeper to where God is in the midst of our lostness. So consider this, when you are lost physically, don't know where you are and you don't have cell reception and nobody's coming to find you, how are you found? How do you figure out where you are? You find a reference point. You find a monument. You find kind of something that you're familiar with and then you work from there. So that thing that's familiar that you can trust is going to reveal your spatial relationship with everything else around it. So the question that I, or the, the thing that I would like to submit to the question, where is God when, when you feel lost, when we feel lost? The thing I would like to suggest to us this morning is that God finds us in our lost places to tell us where and who we are. God meets us and finds us in our lost places to tell us where and who we are. You heard read earlier, uh, our, our Bible verse was from the book of Proverbs. And a quick thing about the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs is very, very old. Thanks. <laughs> Four years of master's degree, that's what you get. Um, the book of Proverbs, in fact, is so old. The original language that it's written in is a language called Hebrew. And Hebrew is so old. The original text doesn't have punctuation and it doesn't have vowels because those things weren't invented yet. This thing instead is the, is the language, uh, it's the collected wisdom of God's people from thousands and thousands and thousands, like, like from the beginning of time, people, God's people, the Israelites, had continued to learn and pass down this wisdom, and then somebody got this newfangled idea of writing something down, and they decided that was probably a good idea. The book of Proverbs is a lot of stuff passed down through the generations and uh, compiled and, and spoken partially by this guy, this king that they had, wise King Solomon. And you see, the thing is, this language in here is older than vowels. It's older than punctuation. But you might think to yourself, it's so old, it probably has nothing to say to us today. And then you read some of it and you said, I could have used that on Tuesday when I fill in the blank. The, the whole vibe, the whole heartbeat of the book of Proverbs is what it means to live well. Is wisdom incarnate. It's something that for thousands of years has been unchangingly good advice on how to love other people well. It's a monument. It's something you can set your watch by. And so this might be a good place to start 
in trying to find where we are when we feel lost. So you heard it read earlier, but I will read it again for you now. Um, It's Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. So before we can really talk about what that means, we have to talk about what it doesn't mean. Because what that doesn't do is minimize suffering. Wonderful, God-fearing, loving people have done a lot of damage with the statement, well, it's just God's plan. My mom got cancer. Oh, man, that really is a bummer. But God's got a plan. I don't know about you, but that's not really a plan that I want to be a part of. <laughs> a lot of times we, we treat it as this thing of like, well, I can't be bummed. I talked to a bunch of people this week who have lost almost everything to the floods that happened last week. And they were, you could tell that they were like kind of conflicted about being upset about it to me. And one of the things that a bunch of these different people, numerous different people said, well, yeah, I mean, I know God's got a plan. Like, I'm just kind of waiting for it. And God absolutely works in mysterious ways in this world. But I just wanted to say that God does not cause suffering. God is not testing you with cancer. God is not giving you something that you can't handle. God doesn't have to cause suffering. We as humans do quite enough of that. Cancer is not God's plan. Death is not God's plan. But instead, in the midst of suffering, God is in the center of it, leading us out of it. I'd like to suggest that it's instead about believing the things that God has said about you over the lies that we tell ourselves. Our book in Proverbs, the book of Proverbs says in that, in that passage, trust God's own understanding. And so what that means is that we're going to believe God, what he says about us in this thing. Then instead, God finds us in our lost places, not just testing us and saying, well, deal with it. I mean, it'll be fine if you just stick it out long enough and keep a smile on your face. We worship an emotional God. When, God, when Jesus' friend Lazarus died, he didn't say, tell everybody to suck it up. Instead, he said, he, he stepped back, and the first thing he did was he wept. He cried. He mourned the loss of his friend. He didn't say, well, I'm God, so I'll just, you know, see him on the other side. No, he, he wept. He lost it emotionally. We worship an emotional God. It says, when, um, when, right before, you know, in the book of Genesis, which is Old Testament God, which is mean God to a lot of people. When God saw the corrupt heart of people before the flood of Noah, it says that God was moved to compassion. He was moved to mourn. The original language says he felt anguish in his soul is one translation of it. We worship an emotional God. So instead of expecting us to just put on a happy face and plow on through, we worship a God who is here beside us to find us in our lost places, to tell us where and who we are. One of my favorite authors puts it this way, God came in the form of Jesus to scream along beside us. God came along in the form of Jesus to scream along beside us. God could have tried to solve problems in a lot of different ways, but God constantly enters the story of human existence 
in the times that we're most lost. Basically, if we could boil it down, this thing is just a story about us getting lost and God finding us in the middle of it. Here's just, to, let, me, let me list just a couple of examples for you. Exodus, Israel's lost in the desert for like 40 years. <laughs> they, <laughs> the, the regular geological scholars now or geographical scholars find out that like they could have walked there in like a couple of weeks and they got lost for decades. But what did God not do? God didn't like send up the road flare from the Holy Land and be like, hey, you guys are struggling over there. When you get it all together, meet me over here. No, in the midst of the desert, in the midst of the lack, God came in the form of a pillar of fire by night and cloud during the day. In the midst of the desert, which is by definition lacking of life, God was there finding them in their lost places. Elsewhere in the Old Testament, there's this thing that's either translated as the wilderness or the desert. People constantly go to the wilderness or the desert. And it's an old metaphor, actually, because if you notice, people are physically lost when they're in the wilderness or the desert, but they're always also spiritually lost. And the, this wilderness was dangerous. It's what, when I was in Africa, they called the human-animal conflict, which meant if it was night, you'd get eaten. <laughs> the human-animal conflict. It was known as a wild place of danger, this wilderness was. And over and over and over again, whether it's Hagar or any of the other people that wander into the wilderness, that's often where they meet God. God doesn't just meet them in the holy high place of the temple, but some of the most meaningful stories in all of the Bible is where God is meeting us in the most lost, most desolate place. In the New Testament, there's this guy named Jesus who not only finds people when they're lost, the good people when they're lost, he finds actual lost people. The people in the act of doing the bad things, he goes and says, let's go eat together. He constantly is searching out and talking to all the people that he's not supposed to talk to and love and find because he found lost people. Came to say, there is a better way to do this thing called life. Even after he ascended in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is constantly whispering to people in the most desolate places. You can see these are all just a, list, a small list of examples of God finding people in their lost places. So that's God. That's me breaking apart the sentence, you know, God finds us in our lost places. I think we've got that. But to tell us where and who we are. Where are we? If you're feeling lost... Know that, did you know that you're a part of this story? You are a continuation of this. This is the story of God's people. You are God's people. This is a story all about who we are, but maybe in the midst of feeling lost, a little bit of context can be that you're here. This is not just a story of you. You are a continued, you are part of the continued narrative of the people that God loves. But the who question is really hard, isn't it? Who are we? Did you know that you have been made and given something to hold, maybe some things to hold, that only you uniquely have to hold? You've been blessed in a unique and special way. Now, oftentimes, if we feel really lost, we're like, oh man, I gotta get it together. I mean, I have these passions and these things that I'm good at, but man, I'm really messing this thing up. So 
Let me look at, I'm just naming a name for fun, like Ted. Let's look at Ted, man. Ted, Ted reads his Bible and Ted, you know, Ted likes these things and Ted dresses well and doesn't swear and listens to all the right music and does all the things. So like, let me just go be Ted for a while. And then when I get it all together, I can go back to the things that I'm passionate about, you know, the things that I can do. Let me just be somebody else, be this carbon copy of every other quote unquote perfect Christian that I can be. While there might be some certain values and some of the practices and things that Ted the power Christian is doing, maybe it's missing the point because truly living is the best you that God created you to be is what it means to be found. You don't have to be anybody else to be found. We worship a God that made it so what it means to find ourselves isn't to deny our true selves, but to live into the gifts that we've been handed. It's to live into the gifts that we've been handed. Now, there's this there's this movie that came out, and I'm going to show the, the end of the movie. Uh, it's been out for 15 years, so it's on you at this point if you haven't seen it. Um, the, and this movie is also like, don't go, run home and like watch it with the whole fam. Like This is some parts, you know, maybe not appropriate for, for small children, but if it's appropriate for your context, I would encourage you to go see it. It's this movie where Jim Carrey is having a little bit of trouble, and he meets God in the form of Morgan Freeman which, as far as I'm concerned, is a great example of God, what I hope God looks and sounds like. Um, But Jim Carrey is this guy who is lost in every way that you can be lost. (laughs) He is spiritually lost, and I think that the story resonated with so many people and continues to resonate today. The movie really holds up because that's all of us at some point, feeling lost. He doesn't know who he is, and he cries up to God at one point, If you were really that good, then there wouldn't be any of this suffering. And God comes down, and much to Jim Carrey's surprise, God comes down and says, fine, I'll take a vacation. You can handle it. You can be in charge of the thing. And what Jim Carrey does throughout the movie is use the incredible powers of God in a humorous way. But basically what Jim Carrey does is he tries to find himself in every way that he thinks that he should do. He pays the 14 easy payments of 1995, metaphorically speaking, to everything that he thinks will make him happy instead of really looking at what he's been handed. He's looking outside of himself. He looks and tries to get wealth, love, all these different things that he thinks is going to make him happy. And in the end, he finds himself even more lost than before. But God finds us in our lost places to tell us where and who We are. Let's take a look. Did you see him try to do it? He tried to give God the answer that God wanted to hear. But God says to him, tell me what you really care about. Because guess what? God cares about that too. A lot of times people feel like are wondering where God is in the midst of their lostness because they can't imagine a God. They imagine the God that wants the world peace answer, that wants the wants this to solve the world's grand problems, and God absolutely wants to do that. But God cares about the minutia of your life. God cares about you. I don't mean that God finds us. I've said God finds us in our lost places. I don't mean that to suggest that God was ever anywhere else. God knows the real you. So bring your full self to God, who is your landmark. 
God is your unchanging reference point. And you can hear who you were meant to be. Maybe for, the, for you, the invitation today is to receive it for the first time. It's to say, what have I been given? What is that spark? What is that thing for me that I have inside of me? Because I'd really love to know what that is. Maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you know the thing that you've been uniquely created to do, this, this, this thing that God seems to have blessed in your life, this thing that you hold in your hands. Maybe you know what that is, and maybe the question now is, how do I best use that to love other people? If we live into that identity, who God tells us that we are, things start to look new again. You might not feel lost now, but you will because that's what it means to be human. We all get lost time and again. But all of a sudden, things might start to look new again if we live into that identity. All of a sudden, you don't have to be afraid of the things that look unfamiliar like a little kid at the zoo because you always have your landmark right there. You don't have to get scared about getting lost or things that are unfamiliar because you see you can turn right around and there is God beside you, no matter where you are, telling you where and who you are. You can see where you uniquely fit in the midst of all of this. So we feel lost. We all will feel lost. Some of us do now. Some of us will. But to learn and internalize who God says we are, that's what it means to be found. Amen. These are the types of things that we, we, we can hear about, we can try to hold in our hearts, but it's something that sometimes it also helps to sing about. So let's do that together. I'd invite you to stand. Let's worship God together. <laughs>